Hey, 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 Soul Tribe. Welcome back. This is episode 1.15 of Beyond Deconstructing. I'm your host, T. Jamaica Polk. Thank you guys so much for coming back to another episode of Beyond Deconstructing. Today, I have the lovely Christelle, aka Plum Kate, <laughs> if you follow her on um, TikTok or on um, Twitter. And as usual, I'm going to step out of the way and let my guests introduce themselves and kind of walk you through their journey and discovering their neural spiciness. So Christelle, please take it away. Hi, my name is Christelle. Um, I am an author. I have done a lot of things in my life. And most recently, I am officially diagnosed as autistic with ADHD. Um, you can find me at Plumkick on TikTok, like you said, um, also on Instagram as well. Um, and on YouTube soon. Not yet, but soon. Um, my journey with autism began with my best friend. I was on a bus in Korea going home, <laughs> going home after my dance class, I think. And I was overstimulated and on the phone with my best friend. And um, I didn't know it then, but I was having a meltdown. And my meltdowns are pretty, they seem quite calm because it's all happening on the inside. That's how in my life I've trained myself to handle my autistic meltdowns is to just internalize it all, which isn't healthy, but we know where it comes from. So we're working on it and that's what's important. And uh, my best friend who is also autistic with ADHD um, suggested I look into autism. I was literally just blubbering and just like, don't understand I don't understand and she's like you know what you should look into this and when she had mentioned it I was um a bit taken aback not in a bad way but in a way that I had never considered myself to be autistic possibly with ADHD but my sister has ADHD it's quite different than mine um so it was never really um an option for me an option for me, at least like familial wise. So I'm I'm the eldest and the daughter. So I have to kind of be the example role model. So anything involving um neurotypes, anything that's slightly off, quote unquote, socially, um, I just wasn't allowed to do because I am the example, that type of thing, especially culturally, as I'm Asian. So the stigma around it, um is what had me confused because growing up, this is not what I had been shown autism to be. This is not what I've seen autism to be. And this is not what I've heard autism to be. And I say that specifically because kids are mean. <laughs> I think back to school and they would make jokes and there's so much ableism around and I would hear it and it would be so uncomfortable. And I. I don't like mean jokes. So I would separate myself from it or I wouldn't pay mind and I would continue to be friends with who I'm friends with. And I've continued to act how I acted. Um, but I was high masking. I was high masking and I am a black woman. So it's so easy to kind of go under the radar because no one is looking for you at all. Um, 
which isn't great. It isn't great. Um, and a lot of women of color just go completely um, under the radar and aren't helped as they should be, aren't given the resources that they need to. So my perception of autism wasn't a good one. And there's so much stigma around it. And um, especially in the Black uh, community when it comes to mental health, um, as well as in the, like I come from an immigrant family. I'm diasporic Black as we all are. Most of us are that are out of Africa. So the Carib Caribbeans as well are, mm -mm. Yeah. Mental health, mental wellness, what's that? <laughs> what are you talking about? No, you're not. I've decided you're not, you're not. So that's not what's gonna happen. You know, the, this is all that was going in my head when she told me that, but I trust my best friend. I love her and she always has my best interest in heart. Out of everyone in my life, I would think that she sees me for myself and is the only person that I've allowed myself to be 100%. Um, and not all at once, but grow to be 100%. Because it, it does take time after life experiences to really trust someone enough to be that open with them as an autistic woman and as an autistic black woman um, and as a woman as well. So all of that together, the intersectionalities of that is just <laughs> it's all meshed in. So I looked it up um, and I'm thinking, okay, um, if anything, I don't know much about this. At the end of the day, I'll have research, I'll have knowledge. I'm a teacher, This I was a teacher at the time, but I consider myself you know, like a teacher at heart. Um, if anything, I can help my students and I can see symptoms and I can give them the care um, that they might not be getting, you know, because they might also be going into the radar. So I looked it up, I did some self-diagnostics and it was everything. Check, 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 check. I remember it took some tests and I got, if it was 175, um, the criteria was like 175 like things I had, 173 and I remember like I printed it out and I was nearly in tears because I was like no this isn't who I've decided that I am because who I've decided I am is who I've been told I need to be to live in this world mm -hmm. so if I am not this person what is going on but on the flip side, I felt so relieved. I felt so seen. It was like a weight had been, like not even lifted off my shoulders, but a weight had, hello, sensory issues. A weight had come on and given me like a big hug, you know, and then let me go so that I can just exist. And it was quite cathartic and I had a huge cry and I don't cry. It's one of those things I suppressed. Um, Growing up, I didn't cry much, but I cried. I cried and I let it out and it hurt and then it was beautiful. And I was like, oh, great. I have answers. Because if there's one thing I don't like is not knowing and being left out of the loop and being completely clueless, especially when it came to myself. And I had the biggest answer of all when it, it, it's me. And this is who I am. This is This is the reason. These are the reasons that inform who I am. It's not who I am, but this is what informs who I am. And going further into this will allow me to be more of who I am. It's a renaissance. I am becoming myself again. And that is something I'd wanted to do for years, but couldn't figure out how to grasp, couldn't get myself out of 
the life I was in, the roles I had been playing for so many years to reconnect with my inner self. And now that I was in a completely different environment, um, halfway across the world, finally in a space to really be myself. And I get this huge news. Um, I was like, wow, this is, this is, this is, this is something. This is something and this is the beginning of something even greater. And this is the beginning of myself once again. And that is where that began, you know, on a bus at night in South Korea on the way back home from dance class. Um, and dancing is how I stim, absolutely. Um, and from then on, I returned home. Um, because of COVID, of course, to be with my family, um, I got into TikTok, met this incredible community there, and saw, saw so many um, people of color and women of color and Black women who were autistic as well, who had ADHD, who were neurodivergent in one way or another. And it was such a safe space for me to be like, okay, and then this thing, and this is what this is called, and this is why I love this. And ah, it was the best kind of overwhelming because, um, you know, the feeling when you're into your special interest or your hyperfixation and it's just ah, mm -hmm. everywhere and you're like, this is great. That's what it felt like. I was like, this is great. This is the good kind of overwhelm. And after that, um, I got my official diagnosis about uh, six months after. Um, no, almost a year after I came back to um, the US and about six months after I started TikTok. Um, yeah, and that that is <laughs> the beginning of my journey um into being a late diagnosed autistic adult and the continuation of my journey as someone who's been autistic my entire life thank you so much for sharing your story i love to hear it and um i always say this because you know we all came to the same conclusion that we're autistic we took vastly different routes and it shows it highlights just how varied we are we're individuals we're not a monolith and i I really appreciate that you call it a renaissance and you talk about becoming yourself again or or reconnecting with your true self because that's really what it is a lot of the times for us as late diagnosed autistics is like we've gone our whole life no matter if you're in your 20s or like me in your 30s where something was always off like you just felt like you couldn't connect with people the same way that other people could like for myself, um, I just remember being in high school and then especially when I got to college, when it came to like um, romantic relationships, I just didn't mm. get it. I was like, I'm a very like literal person. So like, I didn't understand the game that was being played and that like most people appreciate the long game and they want it to be like a slow burn. They just want to like flirt here mm. and flirt there and like build up to it. I'm like, if I like you, I'm just going to say it and I'm just going to come out with it. But that was always received as like aggressive or like doing too much. And I'm just like, why is it so easy for everyone else? And like, for me, I just don't get it. And so understanding how my brain works and knowing that it is not because I'm broken or I'm just this like 
stupid person who misses obvious things. This is my brain is wired in a way that I don't automatically make the same assumptions as other people, or I'm not playing the same game as you. And this is why we're both speaking English, but we're not necessarily speaking the same language because you're, you know, it's just a difference in how we work. That answer, that missing, and I hate using puzzle piece, but it was the missing piece to the puzzle for me, at least understanding that I'm autistic really just reframed everything else. And it is like a rebirth. It is a renaissance because it's like, I get to be, I get to go back and examine my life and even the things that cause me trauma through this new lens. And it gives me grace for myself. It gives me grace for the people in my life who didn't know how to approach me. Even like my caregivers who just like, tried to discipline out of me the things that were just part of me being ADHD. <laughs> I have to give them grace and forgive them as well. And then it also helps me to, you know, when I look forward, like, okay, I've learned these lessons. I understand this is how it works. So I can put measures in place going forward that's going to work with how my brain works as opposed to trying to fit myself into a box that wasn't me to accommodate me in any way. Mm-hmm. I want to also add that um, to that because 100%, I fully agree. I, yes, <laughs> I, the autism and the, the whole diagnosis, um, and even before the whole diagnosis, the self-diagnosis, which is extremely important for um, all people of color because we don't have the resources, not all of us do, or access to the resources, or even knowledge which i consider access to resource so that we can literally see oh that's what this is this is me let me go this way you know mm -hmm. there's no map um and a lot of times self-diagnosis allows us to um have that map so that we can figure out where to go next and to do that community is important but i'm going to put that aside because my point is that um my autism my adhd the realization of it all and the becoming of it all allowed me I think most importantly to be firm in my boundaries. I didn't feel like I had to exert myself, be more of myself because something about me is lacking and everyone sees it, but me, I have to do more. I have to be the best. I have to over excel. Yes. And even then it's up. How am I like better in so many ways and still um, ostracized or isolated or seen as odd and it's just like no I, i've studied this i've done my research i've, I've practiced i what, what is it what is it i'm this 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 like i've done all the things what am i not getting and now i'm just like oh yeah i am this 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 i did it before because half like i wanted to the other half i felt like i had to i needed to do this to participate but now I'm left with all of these wonderful things, these skills, these qualities, and I don't have to do them at all. My boundaries are firm. So what someone requires me of, of me to over excel for them, I'm like, no, no, because of these reasons. And you can do this yourself. And I'm not that person anymore. I'm not your go-to person to be everything for yes. everyone else except for myself. And that's something I really struggled with um in adolescence and growing up i had to be everything to everyone else while 
I'm still trying to figure myself out, not even on an autistic scale, not even on a neurodivergent scale, but as a like <laughs> a girl growing up as um, a kid becoming, going through puberty and becoming a person and dealing with peers and having to do all these things. Like it's a whole experience on its own. And to add on to that, um, the autism, which is a whole other level of like, when you don't know what it is and you're just like, this is even worse, this is even harder. Um, and being a black person in America, being a black woman in America um, adds another layer to it. And it's just, it's just a whole thing, you know? And me coming from an immigrant background, there's that whole thing too. And I was just like, I was, I was tired. I was done. <laughs> Constant like burnout that I didn't realize was burnout. And um, I am so happy, most of all, one, to have firm boundaries because now I'm like, aha, I'm autistic. I'm doing all these great things. And no, 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 no. Yes. <laughs> and I have my energy back. Now I, my boundaries allow me space to spin, allow me space to re-energize, to rest, to do all the things I love without feeling guilty, to I'm finally enjoying special interests instead of, you know, hiding them away and kind of having fun in private as I did as a kid. So long-winded way of saying, yeah, girl. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> no, <laughs> I feel you so much. Like, no, you brought up such a great point about like boundaries, and I feel like it's a very um common theme amongst a lot of late diagnosed autistic women, especially women of color, that we develop people pleasing tendencies, and we are just we're conditioned to not have boundaries because we're we have to make ourselves small, right? Anything we do that is direct is going to automatically be seen as aggressive, right? Mm. So we've, getting, we've gotten conditioned or disciplined over time. You can't say that. You can't do that. Why aren't you smiling? I can't tell you how many times people told me to fix my face as a child and even as a young adult that it like, it blew me. They were like, why are you mad? Then they, they would make this assumption, assume that they're correct. And then not believe me when I say I'm not mad. This is just my face. And then it turns into this whole thing. Well, you need to fix your attitude. And the whole time I never had an attitude until I had to defend myself against someone's claiming that I did. And then so having to go through that repeatedly, I developed a lot of people pleasing skills and a lot of masking that, you know, now I understand, which is why there are so many people who thought I was fake is because I never had a bad thing to say about anybody. After a while, I, I didn't express a negative emotion. I didn't express a negative opinion. I didn't say anything that was contradictory. Everything was always good because whenever I was my true unmatched self, I was treated like I was this angry, mean bitch who just didn't get it. And I'm like, wow, all I'm doing is being direct. All I'm doing is being honest about how I'm feeling. And this is getting me not only ridicule, but I'm being punished for it. So, of course, over time, I'm going to learn how to internalize it and suppress it. And for so long, I was disconnected from my true self. And it also put a boundary between me and other people being able to build intimate relationships, whether it's like romantic or friendship wise, because I got so averse to conflict. Because anytime wow. I bought up something that was that could cause conflict, I became the source of the problem as opposed to us being able to 
you know, figure out what the issue was. And that that is very freaking draining. But learning to be okay with having boundaries and learning to be like, you know what? No, it's okay for me to take up space. It's okay for me to show up as, as I am. And if you have a problem with that, then that's a you problem. Now, it's not excusing me and saying I can, I can just be a, an offensive asshole with no filter. No, but if I'm just being honest and direct and open and you receive that as an attack, then that's something that you have to deal with. And if you won't bring it up to me that this is now how you feel, then I have no chance of being able to talk to you and work it out. And I'm okay now with being misunderstood and I'm okay with being seen as the villain because it's like, hey, if that's how you receive my truth, I can't do anything about that. Exactly. It's out of my hands. It's not my fault. It's above me now. It's above me now. No, for real. Like, uh, it really, that, that really spoke to me, honestly. <laughs> I had a whole thing to say, and it just, just look, I don't know. It'll, it'll come back, it'll come back. Yeah. But no, like, yeah. I, I get that feeling. Sometimes I have like three thoughts at once, and I'm like, which one was I about to say? Okay, it'll come back. That's the ADHD. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 <laughs> it's back. It's back. I just wanted to quickly touch on how intricate all of that is because um, how you were treated, how I was treated, and a lot of Black women were treated. It's so, it's absolutely intersectional because um, there's racism in it, there's sexism or and misogyny in it, there's ableism in it. Um, so people expecting out so much out of you and being upset when you want that in turn or when just consideration or if you just express your own emotions and they're, they're like well, what are you doing you know and a huge part of it is ableism a huge part of it is um misogynoir where it's like ah you're a woman stop you're a black woman stop not outwardly but you know that is what it is because counterparts are treated differently mm-hmm. um and it's I feel like we need to talk more about that just in general in the autistic community about how many layers people of color have. It's never just the ableist layer, you know, and it's never just the gender layer, you know, um, or the sexuality layer. It's it's a whole intricate, like, polysocial existence that you have to navigate and you have to mask five times over to get through the day even if just just to be left alone so yeah absolutely it is tiring um and yeah the boundaries that it's above us now it's above me now (laughs) absolutely so like boundaries oh i'm so sorry go ahead no go ahead i didn't mean to cut you off i was gonna say i i used to hate when um people did not like when I acted the same way they did. They expressed themselves. I'm like, ah, let me express myself. And it wasn't allowed. And I never understood. And I never liked it. I still don't. And I'm not bothering with it now. Boundary. Bam. Girl, (laughs) I'm so glad you made that point. Because yeah, there's there's always this double standard, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and this is what I, this is my theory. I've thought about it. I feel like because people... Um, mostly holistic people and those who try to conform to neurotypical standards, they they box you into whatever they consider you to be. 
And in their mind, you can't not be that. So if they feel like you are beneath them or that they are superior to you in some kind of way, and then you have the audacity to act the same way as them, that's why they get upset with you. So I'll give you this example, right? In my last job, um, I had a position where I reported to the vice president of a department, right? And everyone around me was either directors or managers, right? And I was just a support specialist, but like, I also like worked with everybody. I like did the schedules, I did reporting, you know? So like I, I worked with a variety of people, right? But because I don't inherently see like a hierarchy or I didn't until this experience and it forced me to because I got ostracized and treated terribly. Um, before then, I didn't know that like I was supposed to be so grateful to be in their presence, right? And I never acted like I was less than them. I also didn't act like I was better than them, but they received me treating them as an equal, like I felt like I was better than them. And so even though I was quiet and I didn't talk bad about anybody and I just showed up and did my job and was kind to everyone, I still got a reputation as being an arrogant, stuck up, mean bitch because I wasn't enamored by the fact that some person with a title was in my proximity. I see people as people. I don't care about your title. I don't care about this hierarchy. This just doesn't make any sense to me. If you are a remarkable person in general to me, then I'm just going to treat you like a human being with basic decency and kindness. But unfortunately, when other people clock you and they see, oh, well, firstly, you're a black and a woman. Before I even get to know you, you're already beneath me if I'm white and a male. Period. That's how they think. But then once they see that you are a little off socially or you don't get it, then they put you even lower beneath them. And as soon as you start to reciprocate their actions or reciprocate their energy, you're going to be labeled as arrogant and you don't know your place. And how dare you? As opposed to, hey, yeah, she's just being herself. She's just a person. She sees me as a person. No, we don't get that benefit of the doubt. We're going to get villainized before anybody would even consider that, oh, well, maybe she's autistic or maybe she has social anxiety and that's why she's not talking. No, it's she's arrogant. She's stuck up. She thinks she's better than people. And that's just mm -hmm. ridiculous. And I that, that got to me at first because I know I'm not like that. And it took me a little while for me to be comfortable with being like, you know what? I'm okay with you misunderstanding me because how you receive me, like I said earlier, how you receive me being my authentic self is a reflection of you and your experience. And it does not reflect back on me. It doesn't mean that I am this mean bitch. It just means that you receive someone being comfortable in their skin because probably you're not and it's mirroring back to you that you're not. Um, you're receiving someone being comfortable in their skin, knowing that they can take up space and that they belong in the same room that you're in. You receive that as something negative and that's something that you're going to have to deal with. It's not my job to fix that for you. I reminded of when I was younger, um, two different things, right? Once when I was elementary school, maybe six, seven or eight, I almost had a bully. Um, at that time. And I just honestly, when they say kill him with kindness, I annoyed him with niceness. I was like, I don't want to be around this kid. Is this what a bully is? Well, hmm, who hurt him? So I'm like, hey, let me be your friend. Let me be your friend. And I just 
annoyed him incessantly and I ran that kid off. And I was like, good, peace. But I was like, I'm not going to do what you do because I don't like that. I'm not going to treat people that way, but I will be annoying. I will get you out of my hair. And I know when I got older, maybe like middle school, high school as well, I, if I was treated a certain way, my first reaction would be, who hurt you? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. Who hurt you? And they would get so embarrassed and so like, uh, that they would leave me alone. And I'm like, yeah, if you want to talk about it, I'm the best person to talk about it. We'll listen. I'm patient. I'm understanding. But I know you don't want to. So get out of here, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so you, it's good to balance set out. Um, and patience leads me to how I had decided, you know, I wanted to make friends over the years. Um, I would just participate in conversations. I would pay attention to who would um, give me the patience that I gave them. So if they didn't listen in a specific way, like they're like, oh yeah, they're going to keep talking about themselves, but asking of me while ignoring me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, I was like, all right, cool. We'll have this conversation, but you do not have access into my life. Um, And that carries on. Whoever gives me patience allows that patience to be there. You know, it's quite reciprocal. Then um, there's so much space for us to cultivate a relationship, whatever that relationship may be. Because I I love connection and friendship. Um, And we should talk about just like the differences in autistic people because the stereotypes versus the realities are vast. You know, it is a spectrum. It is an umbrella. It is a tree. You know, um, and that's what I love about the autistic community is that we are patient with each other mm-hmm. um, and we wait and we're like, cool. And I would always tell my best friend, like, thank you for waiting till I get like, there is a point. I just got an ADHD to get there. Or <laughs> um, technology is how I'm like making sense of it to myself and to you so that you understand it. And all the people I'm close to in my life are patient. All the people I call friends are patient. And I'm patient with them. And I love that 100%. And um, it leads me to the third thing, um, having, you know, circling back to um, work and what you were speaking with um, and how you're, you were perceived and how a lot of times we are perceived for our uncanny valiness along with whatever other categories were put into um, alongside the neurodivergence is. Um, Babysitting people's emotions, especially neurotypical. Look out! I'm sorry, preach so hard. They don't realize how much your emotions need to be babysat, need to be managed. Like, ah, especially as like I'm, I'm low support needs, and I am high masking. And when I tell you that high masking is way, way, way high, because how am I taking care of your emotions? so that you don't react in a specific way that'll affect me, then I'll have to like deal with it because that's going to mess up my routine and my day and all mm-hmm. of that. And I have all this to like handle. So I have to figure it out, do all of the like... <laughs> every the mental gymnastics, learning. basically. And mental gymnastics, all of the constructive, like everything to be able to speak to you, tone, word like usage, how the sentence flows, how I'm structuring it all, playing chess 20 moves ahead, 
so that I can have a simple conversation so that your emotions are appeased. <laughs> and then we can just go about our day and it doesn't have to be a whole thing because it will be a whole thing because they're just... Exactly. I mean? and, and because of that phenomenon, this is why, in my opinion, why they consider a lot of us to be unempathetic is because their definition of empathy is us picking up on their passive social cues to manage their emotions and approach them in a certain way that they'll receive it correctly. When real empathy is what a lot of autistic people have, which is an ability to understand the emotional state of other people. And so that is a very big pet peeve for, for me is when people claim that autistic people are unempathetic. We need to actually define what they mean by empathy. I've gotten that so many times. And it's because I have been, I haven't given someone the emotional reaction they were looking for when they said something very passive, when they implied something and I took it literally and just blew past it. All of a sudden I am unempathetic and I don't care. No, I just didn't pick up on you passively implying something and you trying to emotionally manipulate me through your words. As opposed to you just being able to communicate directly and say, hey, Tiara, this hurt my feelings. Or, hey, Tiara, this is kind of what I want. This is what I would like for us. Um, but you imply it through all of these like passive means. And then now you say, oh, she's cold. She's so cold. She just doesn't get it. She doesn't care. I do care. I care deeply. Sometimes I care too much to the point that it overwhelms me because I can pick up on other people's emotions. Like I can't even watch certain TV shows without crying, even if I've seen that episode a million times, just because like I feel things very, very deeply. But I don't always, I don't, especially as I've built my boundaries, I don't feel bad if somebody got offended by something I said, if it's an objective truth and I wasn't trying to be an asshole. If you got offended by it, I'm not now going to have an emotional reaction to it. And I'm also not going to apologize um, or I, I wouldn't say I'm not going to apologize because like, again, it's never my intention to hurt people's feelings. So I might say, I'm sorry that you feel that way, but I'm not going to apologize for how I feel or police my behavior and how, and my emotions to appease other people. But that's how a lot of people are going around. They're walking around managing other people's emotions by suppressing their own or being passive in their communication. And then there's this whole, there's this whole game being played of, oh, well, you should have been able to know. And then they only tell you once they get mad, right? After you haven't gotten it so many times, the only time people are direct is when they're mad. They're like, well, you should have known that I meant this by this. I'm like, who's to say I was supposed to know that? Like, it's so, that is such a frustrating game that people play. I just can't, I just can't at this point. I'm like, you know what? You can be mad at me all you want. If you want me to know something, you need to say it with your chest or I'm just not going to hear it. Exactly. I'm telling you, if as like an author and a writer, that is one thing I will not write is miscommunication. I know it's really popular, but I, enough of it. I don't, it's too much. I, there's a more efficient way to do this. There's a more logical way to do this. There's a more like um, compassionate way to do this. Just communicate, just it's okay, just speak. Um, and what you said brings me to this TikTok by a lovely black neurodivergent creator. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, when um, it was about what if everyone faked autism and some responses were like oh I don't know I don't remember off the top of my head but it was really interesting um, a lot of it some of it 
was negative. Some of it, you know, there were jokes and things. But I thought, I'm like, oh, that would be great. If everyone faked autism, that would be amazing because we can tell, I can tell, it's there's so much involved in our experiences, like across the world and across the spectrum. It's like AAVE. Like, I know when people are not using it correctly, there are rules, there's a grammatical structure, there's a flow to it. Mm-hmm. Even like, there's, we know. <laughs> We know. And my first thought was like, oh, great. Access to resources. Because if people are going to fake it, they got to do it right. And it's just like, no, we, we need this and we need this. Oh, no, 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 no. You're not doing it. Well, you have to. Da, 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 da. Hello, resources. Hello, access to this. Oh, you're pretending to be autistic. Um, You cannot do that. No, you cannot do that. No, you cannot go in that job. No, you will be judged in this specific way. No, that can't be done. And they'll be frustrated and they're like, no, we're changing it. You know, mm-hmm. we're going to make this world more accessible. We're going to have more funding. We're going to have um, better education. Uh, we're going to have a more compassionate society. You know, we're going to culture, like nurture the kids and allow them skills to like play with their peers. and grow alongside um, different communities without feeling um, isolated, allow, have, give them the skills to navigate. And as adults, oh my goodness, <laughs> just because you're a kid, just because you're an adult doesn't mean you don't need help, okay? Like adulthood, I feel like um, personally, I need more help than I did as a kid. As a child, it's guidance. It's um, showing me the world that's what should be done it's protecting its guidance it's making sure that you reach adulthood and that you can manage um in the world but as an adult resources please funds please help mm-hmm. please like says please 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 because i'm doing this on my own and i have a list of requirements that like needs that are not being met and i have a human right to have these um to have these resources. Mm-hmm. Um, where was I going with this? Yes, faking autism. <laughs> faking autism and the workforce and um, what you're speaking about. It's that that would be, I think I, that would be a really, really cool social experiment um, because like- So explain I, that a little bit more. So I haven't seen the TikTok that you're talking about. So was it, was it um, positing that like, oh, what if everybody faked autism? What would that result in or? Yeah, because some people do fake it. They act in a way they feel, um, they believe autistic people act based on whatever criteria they have in their heads. Mm-hmm. Um, and- it is offensive. It is ableist, but it's also like really amusing because like, what are you doing? What What are you doing? First, that's like horrible, but also like, you look you look ridiculous. Like, who are you serving with this? And, and the only people that I guess your audience are other neurotypical people. It's not neurodivergent people because mm-hmm. we're either gonna be like, stop that. What are you doing? Or we're gonna be like, oh. Let me provide you the space and the comfort of community. Let me hold your hand. Let me help you. And it's just like, no, this person is fine. Like the time and attention and the care that you feel that 
you you they've led you to believe that they do not have they do have and it just it feels a lot like manipulation so if we were all in on it i feel like it would be it would be better it would be fun and i think it would lead to resources you know like things like the snuggie a lot of um products and that you see in like infomercials that are like cool and like fun and whatever like like i said like the snuggie are actually like intended for the um disabled and differently abled community but you won't get funding for it it's not going to be widely available until everyone wants to be a part of it until it's there's mass access and until you know the neurotypical society as a whole is like i want one i want one everywhere in every color Mm -hmm. and it's just like great cool now if i'm in a wheelchair and i'm cold i can quickly get my snuggie i can go to the store um and get a snuggie and just like live my best life and just continue on you know yeah it's so simple but it's so much work to get there absolutely no i thank you for explaining that because i was a little confused at first when i get the point that you're making now and that actually that reminds me of a post i saw on linkedin not too long ago where they um made it a point to show different accommodations and how different accommodations how you just think sometimes in your mind oh well this you you want a wheelchair ramp because you're like permanently disabled right or you want um to be able to um have something on a door that you can open because you're missing an arm like you you know something like that right and they go to the extreme like only these people need it so i don't really care about providing this resource because only this person who's less than me needs it right but the way the post was it showed how these accommodations can be used by everyone at different times so you may not be permanently disabled but what if you broke your leg and had to be in a wheelchair for a couple of months, wouldn't you be grateful that this accommodation was already in place so that you could still get access to the places that you needed to be? But unfortunately, it takes people being affected by something personally before they care enough to do it. So if they pretended in in that experiment that you were talking about, if they pretended to be autistic and then went out and saw that there were no resources for what they were now looking for, that unfortunately Mm -hmm. would be faster than us actually autistic people advocating for ourselves saying that we need this because in my experience I've been treated like my request for accommodations are me being selfish and manipulative as opposed to me advocating for something that I need and it would also be something that would benefit other people right like take for example uh, that was an extreme I don't want to say extreme example but that was an example of a physical disability needing a ramp right me part of my autism I do have social anxiety and I have rejection sensitivity dysphoria, RSD, right? So it makes it really difficult for me to be in a situation where I have to like manage many different people's personalities and kind of like, basically I can't be in a regular office or I can't go to school in person and I have to deal with like all these different people. So if I'm still able to do my job and there's actually an increase in my productivity if I'm able to work from home, that's an accommodation that will give you better results. You don't mm-hmm. have to pay for me being in the office and I'm still able to do my job. And I'm not the only person that would benefit from a work from home situation. The person who has a young child who maybe wouldn't have to pay for daycare 
because they can work at home or the person who lives an hour away from the office can save time if they were able to, you know, not have to do an hour commute each way each day. You know, they would be more productive. They'll show up to their meetings more refreshed. They may be able to do things more. There are so many other like benefits other than just me asking to work from home. Um, mm-hmm. But it, again, it gets seen as, oh, well, you just want this special treatment. You want to be special. That's another thing. <laughs> Sorry. Um, um, another like thing that I'm seeing a lot of the times from holistic people, um, especially those who condition themselves to like follow neurotypical standards is saying, oh my God, you're not autistic. You just want attention or you're trying to be different. And it's like, that that highlights a very fundamental difference in our neurotypes because a lot of us, we just do what's right because it's right. Or we, we're, we're following this path because it's, it is what it is as opposed to everything we're doing being some kind of manipulation or show. And that that has also been tough for me. Is like, why do I have to defend who I am as a person to someone simply because they can't believe that I'm being honest? Like, I have to continuously say, oh, well, no, like, I'm not trying to just be, I'm not just trying to be seen, even though we're getting seen, like, you know, we have platforms or whatever, but... I don't know about you. I started my TikTok account as a as a catharsis, right? My very first post was me sitting in my car after having a terrible interaction with um, who I assumed to be an holistic person at Starbucks and just being like, you know what? It's so frustrating that I can't communicate directly without people getting an attitude problem with me. And from that, people related to it and, my, it, and it grew. And yeah, I have a quote unquote platform, but I didn't do it to get that. It was a consequence of me just being myself, but it's received or it's perceived through holistic lenses as, mm, look at you getting the attention you wanted. And I'm just like, <laughs> honestly, it's not always cracked up to be because people can be really mean to you and they continuously invalidate you and make you make it seem like that's all you want when all I want is to be understood. I don't necessarily yeah. care if you see me or if I'm this daddy. I just want to be understood. Yeah. Yeah. I call that um, when it comes to like boundaries, uh, like visas, papers, passports, to have access within those because they're not hard boundaries. They're just strict um, because someone um, who's been like manipulative, um, mean gaslighting in the past to me um, before has recently said, you know, you're mean to me now. Like, you're so mean to me. And I and all I said was, okay, because I was like, wow, now that I have fully like set up this boundary with this person and I'm not providing them with the full like, I'm always here, listening ear, you can say whatever, I understand you, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, until I get that in return, because if you want access to that person, literally just be understanding, just be nice, just have account, take accountability, um, apologize and just, you know, let's go about our day. It's not that hard, but the amount of people who ruin relationships, I would say, I consider that, I call it weeding themselves out of relationships with me, whatever it may be. Um, it's not for anything major, but it's, um, it's not like until you give me this, 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 this. It's like, no. 
show accountability, show remorse. Like I would like, oh, this is how I hurt you. I'm so sorry. This is why. And I understand why. Um, I understand how that hurt your feelings and why it did. And um, I'm going to work to do better. This is where mine came from. And I reacted in this way. So I'm going to work on myself in these ways. And I hope that um, in the future, it won't happen again. It might happen, but less and less and less. Um, because I love you and I value you and I care about you. And, are, you know, that's that that is how I apologize. I am very thoughtful about it. Um, and for me, it's just like, just give me thought, thoughtfulness back. Just consideration. Just show me that, like, it's the same level of care as well. And um, that ties into, like, what you're saying about just the frustration in dealing with a lot of neurotypical and holistic people. Um, and also access to... Um, resources or disabilities, um, things aren't available until other people want them. It's, that's something I didn't, sorry, I'm, my brain is like short circuiting right now. That's something mm -hmm. I never understood as a kid. Like, it's not enough to just see that someone needs something or listen to them. Someone else has to care until it affects them. It's quite self-important. Until it affects them personally, they couldn't give two flying forks. We say that like my one of my friends were Haitian, so she gives like I don't give a flying fouchette, which is a flying fork, which is a flying f. Basically, mm -hmm. we don't give two flying forks about you and your needs and your accommodations until I'm personally affected. And I'm like, why? It's that easy, you know? It's just care, just care. But um, that is not the way the world works. Um, it. It has to be negotiated, it has to be manipulated. And that is not something I like, but that's something I accept as uh, how a lot of the world works. And it is frustrating mm -hmm. when you just wanna go and get a drink, you know, get a little like latte or whatever it is, go about your day, go to the store, and it's a whole ordeal. You know, I don't think people talk about how the disabled community, whether it's mentally, physically, or both, how much we have to accommodate for other people because not having accommodations ourselves means that we have to overexert ourselves. We have, we're already accommodating to others, but we have to take care of ourselves while also accommodating to the wider public in order to participate, in order to be a part of it. So yeah. it's just kind of, it hurts when our accommodations are denied, but we are still expected to accommodate others as well. Yeah. And I don't know, my sense of justice is really like. Very firm. Really strong, I feel you in that. I definitely feel you in that. Yeah. <laughs> it's the lack of reciprocity, right? Like, um, so yeah, like you were saying, <laughs> like it's a lack of reciprocity in regards to accommodations in general, because we're conditioned, like we were saying earlier, a lot of the things about ourselves have been conditioned out of us. And so now we make ourselves smaller, we, we become people pleasers and we do all these things. And then we still have to babysit other people's emotions just to not get it back in return. And then as soon as we enforce a boundary, it's like, oh, now you're a villain. You're the bad guy. You're so mean to me. When all I'm doing is returning the same energy to you, you have never cared about me and my needs because it didn't personally affect you. But now that you are no longer having access to me and I'm no longer babysitting your emotions and I'm no longer doing everything for you and showing up and being the person you want me to be, 
now it affects you. And so now you care, but you don't care to actually understand what's going on. You're going to put the blame on me and make me the bad person and try to guilt me or shame me out of having mm-hmm. boundaries. And that is so incredibly exhausting. It is so incredibly frustrating. And I don't think they understand how arrogant that is of a standpoint, because again, to them, it's normal. Everybody just cares about themselves. But like, no, that like, honestly, almost, and again, we're not a monolith, but for me, at least in my experience, most of the autistic people that I've spoken to, we care about equity, right? We care about what's right for the sake of it being right, not because it would solely benefit me or solely benefit someone I know but it's like this is how things are it shouldn't be that way because it doesn't work for us so why can't we just do this but other people are just like well no you're pie in the sky every no one cares about that you need to just care about yourself and it's like I can't get over how exhausting it is to live in a world where people accept the fact because I had I understand that it's the reality but I don't accept it how people just yeah. accept that this is how the world is. You just got to get over it. No, I won't because this is my only life. I only get one chance at this. I'm not going to accept the fact that people are okay with other people suffering because it doesn't affect them personally. I'm never going to be okay with people being like, well, that, you know, we can't have this because this person said we can't, or this select few people said we can't have this. Why? I will why, why, why people to death because we haven't been asking that question enough. If we just ask yeah. why do we have these systems or why do we feel like certain people shouldn't have access to basic human rights or human ac- accommodations, then then I feel like people shy away from that question so much because it will highlight how much they accept, how much BS they just let into their lives, how, how much they just like don't fight back and don't stand up for themselves. And they want to pass that along to you once you have a boundary. It's like, well, I accepted less, so you need to be okay with accepting less. And I just, I'm never going to be, I'm never going to accept it. I'm just not. I will, I will fight tooth and nail for people to understand that this is, this is just because it is the way this things are, doesn't mean it has to be that way. Yeah. And what they don't understand is that we'll be fine oh like if this is affecting you it's affecting you but I, I i'm okay i've had to deal with this i've had to manage i can find a different community i have done so much that like i'm good and that's why like the boundaries are so i can't find the word right now but it it's such a shock for um a lot of people because they no longer have access to something and they're like, I'm lacking this. But on the flip side, I'm over here like, I'm good. I know how to manage. I know myself. I'm self-aware. I know um, who to seek and the communities that accept me. And yeah, my my life will go on and I will continue on asking the wise and doing what I can and doing what I want to within like the wider realm. But I'm not confining myself to who you feel I should be. Mm -hmm. And I'm not allowing myself to do that anymore. You don't want to come with me. You're not coming with me. That's all, you know? And a lot of, I've noticed um, a lot of what people took for granted in me when I was younger and made fun of me for um, as well. It's something that they seek out as adults and they're like, wow, I didn't realize how important this was or wow. It's just, it's hindsight is a whole thing. And I'm over here like, 
good for you, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that person. I moved on. My life went on Mm -hmm. and I have not like people grow, they mature, they change, but my core, my core self hasn't changed. I I am still that, that patient, open, understanding person. But now that you're in a situation where you realize a majority of people around you, especially in the workforce, aren't like that. Or if you realize, oh, wow, all of my friends are fake and I haven't really had the time to make genuine friends and be my authentic self as much of that person I can be. Um, you seek out those people you made fun of, or you seek out those people whose um, friendship you really took for granted. Um, and it's just like, hey, what are you doing now? And it's just like, I'm doing good. I'm actually yeah. doing well. You know, like mm-hmm. no matter what's going on in my life, um, I know my worth and I've set my boundaries and my life has gone on. Um, and I'm not lacking. That's the thing. And that's another major thing that this diagnosis, um, not even the diagnosis, but the realization, the becoming, is that I'm I'm not lacking. Like finally, I'm not lacking for anything. I don't care what you told me in the past. I don't I don't care what I've experienced in this sphere. I don't care what the narrative is. I don't care what categories are. The reality is, and we both recognize, I'm not lacking. I'm actually doing what I am for myself, mm-hmm. making wonderful connections with incredible people, trying to restart my life in a way that's fulfilling because I really connected. I would say like, I want to be satisfied at the end of my life. It is my only life. As far as I know, it's the only one I have. I've spent so much of it for other people, not even like I've wasted it, but like I have been made to spend so much of it for others. The rest of it is mine you know, Mm -hmm. and for mine and the people I've chosen to make memories with. So, you know, access denied, basically. It was lovely to see you. I do wish you the best. Honestly, I don't wish anyone harm. Well, I wish the worst people harm. I will say that later. (laughs) (laughs) You can easily come up with a list of like truly horrific people, but like, you know, the general, in general, I wish people the best. And I usually say it with, I'm so genuine. I'm like, I wish you the best. I'm really happy for for you. And, you know, good luck in life. Goodbye. And I'm out. And it's just like, that's gone. That is, (laughs) that is, that is it. You know, we should talk some other time about like dating stories and crazy. As myself now, the decisions I would make. I want to (laughs) redo. We we can definitely chat about that. Um, yeah, that is a separate subject, but I do want to touch on a couple of things that you brought up in yeah. because I'm very great points. So the first one I wanted to talk about was where you said you realize that you're not lacking. And that is so important because um, autism and how we are defined, at least from a holistic view, is all based on our quote unquote deficits. You have a deficit in this, a deficit in that, right? And and it's literally defined that way, even in a DSM, like they have deficits here and there. And I really feel like we need to replace deficits with differences, because to me, it's not a social deficit that I can't understand passive manipulative language. It's a difference in how I communicate. You, you like, you know what I mean? So like, to me, that's not a deficit, but it's defined by them as a deficit because I feel like everything about us that differs from them is pathologized so that it's seen in a bad light. 
And so that we try to like self-correct and not do it. And going back to what we were saying earlier, it's so exhausting because things that are natural to us, we have to turn off and accommodate other people to our to our own deficit by showing mm-hmm. up so much for other people. But the second thing, and this is something that we talked about before, is that whole grieving process, right? That active grieving where it's like these people that I thought were like going to be part of my life forever that I loved, that I poured so much energy and so much time into and that I genuinely saw as like my family were manipulating me the whole time or they were fake or they saw the relationship in a very different way than I saw it. And then now you have to realize that, oh, like you can't come with me. Like even some family, like it's not even just friends, like some family is like, oh, like you are here and you have no interest in elevating and moving along with me. And so as much as I love you and as much as I wish you could come with me, I kind of have to leave you where you are because I'm not going to stop growing just to keep you in community with me. I will love you from afar. I wish you the best, but I have to cut you loose because you're you're kind of weighing me down as I continue to grow and become my true self. And that is really Mm -hmm. difficult. And it's, at least for me, so like right now is very isolating because I was just talking to my older sister about this. She was like, because she lives in Atlanta and I live in Philly. So we're not even close to each other. Um, Then it's like, I don't have any community really here in town. So if I had an emergency or if I needed a place to stay, I don't have that anymore. and I was like, yeah, that that does really suck. But at the same time, I feel I feel a release because I stood up for myself and I didn't allow people to continue to manipulate me and and view me as someone that was less than, you know. So it's it's a grieving process, yes. But um it's a much needed process when you are becoming your true self. And I truly believe that the more I show up authentically in this world, the more I will attract my actual soul tribe and the people who see me and understand me and not just people who are like, oh, open-hearted person, let me get in there and use her and and get what I need out of her and leave her alone, which is is what I've had, which is the experiences that I've had thus far is people seeing me, seeing how I'm open and using that as a way of being like, oh, well, she'll just do whatever. She, she wants to help. Okay, well, let me drain her dry and then leave her with nothing. And um, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm like reciprocity or nada. You get nothing if you're not being reciprocal. And I don't feel yeah. bad about it at all. I'm not going to apologize for it. <laughs> Even talking about it always um, gets me teared up because it is an ongoing process. And it's hard to be around someone you have so much love so much emotion for and it just has to remain within you it's it is isolating and it's isolating in a different way than um being autistic being neurodivergent and have having to keep that to yourself in order you know to exist with others within others and in communities um and it it sucks when you have to grieve people who are in your day-to-day life it's hard it hurts um and i've and i mean i help my the younger generation of my family with it i talk to them about active grieving i talk to my friends about it 
to tell them that it's okay. It's okay not to like someone that you love. It's okay to mourn the loss of who you wanted them to be for you and for each other, who you thought they were, who you could have been, what the relationship could have been. It, it, it sucks. And even more is that it's always a possibility, but it's it requires like it you need to be met halfway and that the other person isn't doing that and doesn't want to or doesn't want to try at least is heartbreaking because the love doesn't go away the, mm -hmm. the years don't go away the relationship doesn't go away but the relationship has to change and um yeah it, it's it's healing it hurts but it's people love like um using the butterfly as a metaphor and i love it as well it's cathartic you are shedding who you are because what happens with the chrysalis is not even like the butterfly is transforming it's a complete breakdown and everything they're pretty much mush inside of the chrysalis and they're rebuilding themselves into that butterfly from their their selves and they're breaking out of that so it's never a caterpillar and a butterfly they're not two separate things the caterpillar has to transform has to put a shell has to decompose and liquefy and like rebuild um and reshape parts of itself it's nothing new it's all of itself into its potential and i feel like that's a lot of active grieving it's taking all of ourselves and reforming it and reshaping it into what serves us best into our best um not our best selves but like our best access to our best memories access to our best like lives and experiences to the highest potential maybe highest potential you know like you said like um who you are will attract those who are attracted to who you are and you will be attracted to who they are and it's just a soul connection it's a community connection it's just it's beautiful but it comes from pain it's not an easy process it's not a fun process but um it is it is cathartic it is healing and it is important to go through so um i feel for everyone who is also dealing with this um and i am excited for the future where we can just welcome with open arms. You don't have to. You're already happy. You're already good. It's already great. We can just focus on existing and not having to undo existence so that we can live. Oh, that is so beautiful. And you know, I think I want to end on that note because that is that is a beautiful way to put it. I love the analogy of the butterfly. That is exactly what I, I feel like my journey has been. Is I am still me. Everything I am is me, but I don't look anything like what I used to look like on the outside, but I'm still made up of the same stuff. It just got put together in a way that helps me to fly as opposed to crawl. I went through this whole yeah. process and now I'm able to fly and I'm flying away from an old life and the, and the people who aren't able to fly or who don't want to transform can't come along with me, but I still love them. They're still my Caterpillar family at heart. Um, but and you can still but, visit, but you yeah. can also you have the ability to fly back away, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Ah, I love it. I'm 
so much. Oh my goodness. We definitely will be chatting again. Um, because yeah, we have so much more to talk about. I know when we chatted before I have like I took notes and everything. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna save that for next time. Just to wrap it up, I would just um if you if you wanted to say just like one word of encouragement to people out there who may think that they are on the spectrum, or even if they're just going through a time of transformation, what would your words of advice be for them? And um, also just remind everyone where they can find you because um, they definitely need to follow you and see your beautiful content. (laughs) My advice overall is to be patient with yourself. I hope you are lucky enough to have a beautiful community with you. I think that community is the most important when it comes to um, being autistic, being neurodivergent, being disabled in whatever capacity, community really (laughs) mentally as well in terms of overall wellness will keep you going, will carry you through, allows you to be a part of something and to engage with others and be a part of their lives in order for them to reach their highest potential and just to be heard and loved and listened to. So I, I wish community for everyone, like true, like wonderful, <laughs> regenerative, like community, beautiful community. Um, but a lot of this is quite lonely. It is quite isolating, especially in the beginning, especially when you don't have community and that you are embarking on a renaissance of your own and you're looking into it. You may have supporters, you may not have. So at the end of the day, be patient with yourself because I know how hard we are on ourselves. So hard on ourselves to be whoever we need to be, to do what we need to do, to do what we need to do when we cannot. We do not have the capacity, the energy, the ability to do so when we are still required to. So be patient with yourself, like love, love yourself in the sense of like kindness and kindness through patience. It's okay if it takes you longer. It's okay if you do this in several steps instead of in all one go. It's okay if you need a break, stop, wiggle around, if you need to rest. If It's okay if you need something to help you sleep, if you need someone to hold your hand. Don't berate yourself. Just give yourself patience. That is the most important because that patience will allow space for you to breathe, to reconnect with yourself, and then to figure out what you you want your boundaries to be, who you want in your life, where you want to go next. Because it is, we don't get directions. We don't have a map. We have to create a map. We have to find other people to fill in the gaps, you know, and that is whole arduous journey. So, and it starts with patience because there's a lot happening and a lot of it is wonderful, but a lot of it is lonely and a lot of it is hard as well. So be patient. And a bonus one, have people accommodate to you. Like I am so open and loving and kind and understanding, but you have to earn that. And you can recognize it. Have people accommodate to you as well. You know, and the simple thing is just like asking why, like you said, why is that? Use your words. Explain it to me, please, so that we can be on the same page. And it helps you, you know, discern whether or not this person is in your best interests on an, un- like, in terms of understanding what they're saying, whether or not they're being true, 
or trying to you know, pull one over you. Metaphors, idioms, oh my gosh. That's a whole other topic. <laughs> um, but it also gives you control over um, the conversation where you decide, do I want to continue this? Um, is this going in the direction that I'm happy to engage in? Like, are you accommodating to me in the same way? Explain yourself, you know? What's going on? What's happening? I'm listening. Are you listening? Yeah. Oh no, that's not what this is. No, thank you. No, thank you. I've said no, thank you so many times. <laughs> Even if it's just like, hey, that I'm like, no, thank you. And I leave and they're just like, that was a yes or yes. And I just gave a no, thank you because it does not serve me in the way that it would require of me to do. And we need to have a beautiful circle. A circular, a circular <laughs> reciprocal mm -hmm. experience. I'm not here to overexert myself anymore. So be patient with yourself and have some sass. Have people accommodate to you. Ask the wise. Ask them to explain it to you. And having someone explain them to you, don't make them, don't let them make you feel dumb or less than for needing explanations. You know, say it's so we're on the same page. So I know what you're saying and you know what you're saying. Because we don't do that passive aggressive, like nonverbal, like, especially even if you understand, you don't have to. You don't have to. Make sure you're on the same page. Because no longer we are being patient with ourselves. We are demanding accommodations just as we are demanded accommodations from us. And all of that together is just going to lead us on our journeys to finding a beautiful community and living a beautiful life. And that's what I hope for everyone. Snaps, snaps, snaps. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And then lastly, just remind everybody where they can find oh, you. Yeah. Oh yeah, you can find me at Plum Cake in most places. So on Instagram, um, also um, on TikTok and on Wild Ambrosia, that is my writing account. Um, on Instagram, I am starting that back up. Also on Patreon, I am writing neurodivergent romance. I've Romance is one of my special interests since I was little. So it's neurodivergent romances centering Black autistic women as the heroines of these adventures. Ooh. That is a lot. And it's non-toxic and everyone communicates and it's great. And it's adult because I like a little bit of spice. It's fascinating to me. So check me out. Um, I do make neurodivergent content. I make writing content. I make neurodivergent writing content. Um, <laughs> and I just exist. So like exist with me, you know? Oh, and I do very fun. Um, I started doing it for myself. Um, ADHD friendly guided breathing meditations. Um, just little things. And I just like, I think it's funny, but I've had people comment like, oh, thank you. This is great. Because I would breathe and speak softly and but the lyrics like the words I would say would be lyrics to like you know to the windows to the walls and I think <laughs> it's hilarious and I'm just like and breathe inhale exhale and people are like wow this was great and I'm like okay <laughs> so yeah breathe with me stim with me exist let's exist together and that's where you can find me at plum cake p-l-o-m-c-a-k-e awesome and thank you for having me this was so fun so fun 
Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, Crystal. No, like this has been so much fun. Honestly, like this is this is our second conversation. I remember when we first met, I was like, we actually need to stop talking because this is some good stuff that I need to get recorded for the podcast. Like I love when it's a very reciprocal conversation. So thanks again for agreeing to be on and I look forward to future conversations with you. I want to thank you guys once again for stopping by and spending a little bit of time with me today. If you enjoyed this conversation, I highly encourage you to follow my guest, Christelle, a.k.a. Plum Cake. I'm going to leave the links to her social media in the description. And as always, I would appreciate it if you would like and share wherever you're listening to or watching this. It is much appreciated. You can always find me at deconstructing.neuro on Instagram and TikTok and if you still use the Bluebird app it is at decon underscore neuro and you can always find all of my media on my personal website tjamaicapoke.com I also wanted to let you guys know that I'm going to be taking a break for the summer so during the months of July and August there will not be any new podcast episodes but if you're subscribed to my YouTube channel you will see the occasional update to my untethered vlog series. It may not be bi-weekly the way it has been recently but I will be checking in over the summer so after June there will be a noticeable gap in podcast episodes but I'll be coming back in September with the premiere of season two and I am too excited to uh, bring you guys some of the amazing guests I already have lined up for season two I'm not going to give it away here but just know it's major so love you guys take care I'll see you back here for uh, the season finale of season one in a couple of weeks and as always stay safe peace and blessings always